G'day and welcome to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigau and on this show we're examining biblical concepts and ideas and asking ourselves the important question, is it relevant today? Or is it as outdated and ridiculous as phone books? Our show today is called, What Is It? We live in very uncertain times. We live in a time where you're not really sure what's going to happen tomorrow. You're not really sure, will we be locked down again, or will we be able to go where we want? I want to go to Queensland for a holiday soon. Is that going to happen, or are we going to be locked down again? You don't know what's going to happen next. Many people have lost businesses. Many people don't know where they're going to pay the rent from. Many people don't have enough money to put food on the tables. We live in times where the future is uncertain. There's an interesting post which I saw a few days ago which said, In retrospect, no one in 2015, not one single person got the answer right to where do you see yourself in five years. Five years ago, I don't think anyone imagined that we would be locked down. We wouldn't be able to travel overseas. We'd be wearing masks wherever we go. And our holiday plans would be changed and ruined again and again and again. We wouldn't have imagined that this is how the world would have looked like. Today we're going to have a look at the story of manna. Manna teaches us three things. The first thing it teaches us is that God will miraculously provide our temporal needs. The second thing that manna teaches us is that God will miraculously provide our spiritual needs. And the third thing that manna teaches us is that God will miraculously provide all of our eternal needs. You see, the children of Israel also found themselves in a time of uncertainty. They'd just come out of Egypt and they were unsure exactly what direction they were going. They knew where they wanted to go to, but they didn't know where their next meal would come from. They didn't know what would happen tomorrow. And what we find in Exodus chapter 16 is the children of Israel are concerned. And what they do is what they often do, which is grumble and complain against God. In verse 1 it reads, And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt, then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. It had been one month and one day since they left Egypt, and their food supplies were running low. You know the doggy bags they took as they left Egypt? The ones the Egyptians gave them? And you know how the Egyptians gave them all the food in the freezer? They were like, just take it and go. It was running out. And they were complaining against God. It continues saying, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Every time I read this passage, I'm like, what? The memory these guys have of what happened in Egypt is like crazy biased. What they're remembering is how they sat by the pots of meat. Many commentators say that they actually just would sit and look at the meat. The Egyptians are the one who would eat them. However, they did have bread to eat. And at the moment, they find themselves with an incredibly selective memory. 
Later on in Numbers it says, We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onion and the garlic. It was amazing. If I was Moses, I think I would have said, Really? Remember when they would whip you? And you would work all day under the sun? Oh yes. Remember when they threw your children in the river? Ah, good times, good times. However, fortunately today, we no longer struggle from selective memory issues. We have nothing to worry about. Or do we? We'll find out just after this song.
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Strigo, and today we're looking at manna. We've just found out how the Israelites seemed to only remember the good food they ate in Egypt while neglecting to remember the horrible experiences of their slavery. Their memory was extraordinarily selective. Unfortunately, we are not immune from these problems today. I remember before I gave my heart to God, when I was struggling with drugs, I would be able to break free for a week or a few months, and then I would start remembering. Ah, this felt good. I remember how this happened. Ah, and I would forget all of the horrible things that was associated with the momentary pleasure. I would forget all the associated guilt. I would forget the associated breakdown of relationships. I would forget all the associated health problems. I would forget the horrible things that came along with that lifestyle. Because I would just remember selectively. The enemy often gets us to remember selectively in order that he can bring us back into bondage. This is exactly what is happening here. The enemy was trying to deceive them by highlighting certain things to them in order that he can bring them back into bondage. Verse 4 of Exodus 16 continues, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quotia every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. The manna that God provided was a test for them. In fact, when the manna showed up, they looked at it and said, What is it? The word manna isn't a noun, it's actually a question. It means, what is it? I can just imagine they woke up in the morning and they saw this stuff there and like, "Uh, What's this? What's this stuff? And that name is the name that stuck. Manna teaches us that God will provide our temporal, our spiritual and all of our eternal needs. But God didn't just provide their needs straight away. It appeared that God brought them through a time of trial first. God knew that they were going to run out of food, right? You don't need to be omniscient to know that a little over 2 million people will run out of food soon. They were walking through the wilderness and there was no food there. It doesn't take the wisdom of God to understand this. God chose not to make cucumbers grow along the way. He also chose not to make leeks and garlic and onion grow along the way. God chose to allow them to become hungry. And the question is, why? Why did God do this? Why doesn't God just provide all of their needs straight away? I mean, I like to think ahead. I recently started doing this juicing. We have this cold-pressed juicer, and I started juicing all kinds of things. Celery, oranges, apples, carrots, ginger, beetroot, you name it. And last Friday, I realized that we're running low on oranges. So I thought, huh, well, I'm not going to wait until I run out of oranges. I'm going to go buy some in advance. It appears that God didn't do this. God waited for them to run out. Why is that? I believe that the reason is because God wanted to teach them to be fully dependent on Him. God wanted to teach them that He is the one who will provide all of their needs. You see, they had just come out of Egypt. They'd been there for 400 years and they'd been indoctrinated with the beliefs of Egypt. The Egyptians had a little bit over 2,000 deities. And we're going to have a look at them and how they relate to manna just after this song.
back to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigao and today we're looking at the story of manna. We've so far discovered that God provided the Israelites with manna to teach them and us that God will miraculously provide all of our temporal, all of our spiritual and all of our eternal needs. The Israelites had just come out of a culture where pagan gods were worshipped as the providers of everything. The Egyptians had over 2,000 deities. There was a deity for almost everything and anything. They had deities for the wind, they had deities for the sun, they had deities for the rain, they had deities for conception, they had deities for the birthing process, they had deities for the moon, they had deities for drunkenness, they even had deities specifically for bartenders. One of these deities, the one they claimed to be the god of the moon, they believed that he provided healing. Now, I read a little bit about him and found out that he was thought to have the habit of sometimes, but not always, eating people's hearts. So you could ask them for healing, but it seems that there was a risk involved. I don't know if this is the kind of doctor you want to go to, right? But this is what the Egyptians believed, and this is what they indoctrinated into the Israelites' minds. God wanted to teach his people, no, this is all baloney. I am the one who will provide your needs. I am the one who will provide your temporal needs. I am the one who will provide your spiritual needs. I am the one who will provide your eternal needs. And he allowed them to go through a time of trial in order to teach them this. Ellen White writes in Patriarchs and Prophets, The Lord permitted difficulties to surround them and their supply of food to be cut short, that their hearts might turn to him who had been their deliverer. The reason was that they may turn to him. Lord, we have a need, and you would turn to him. She continues by writing, But they were unwilling to trust the Lord any further than they could witness the continual evidences of his power. This really stood out for me. Unwilling to trust God any further than they could witness the continual evidences of his power. We don't do this today, do we? When we pray, Lord, please help me with this and please help me with that and help me out with this. And as we go through our life, God helps us here and he helps us there and he answers this prayer and he answers that prayer. But how quickly we forget what he has done. When we have an immediate problem in front of us and we don't see the answer, we're like, God, why aren't you helping me with this problem? She continues on the next page, Many look back to the Israelites and marvel at their unbelief and murmuring, feeling that they themselves would not have been so ungrateful. But when their faith is tested, even by little trials, they manifest no more faith or patience than did ancient Israel. The obstacles they encounter, instead of leading them to seek help from God, the only source of strength, separate them from Him because they awaken unrest and repining. Essentially, what she's saying is that when we encounter obstacles in our lives, we have two options. And these options, it's entirely our choice which one we choose to do. One of the options is God allows us to be tested in order that we may come and seek help from Him. This is one of our options, to come and say, Hey Lord, I I need this help. Please help me out in this situation. I know you've helped me in the past, and I know you can help me again. The other options, which is the one that is chosen way too often, is that our trials can separate us from God. 
How many times have I heard, why isn't God doing this? And why isn't God answering this prayer the way I think he should? And why isn't God doing this and that and this? The manna was designed to teach them that God will provide all of their temporal needs. He is their provider. Every week, God did a number of miracles with the manna. How many miracles did God provide each week with the manna? We'll find out just after this song. Come, let us worship and bow down And kneel before the Lord, our Maker Let us worship and bow down And kneel before the Lord, our Maker Come, let us worship and bow down And kneel before the Lord, our Maker Come, let us worship and bow down for the Lord, our Maker, He is our God, He is our God, we are the people of His pasture, He is our God, He is our God, we are the sheep of His hand. Let us worship and bow down And kneel before the Lord, our Maker
just worship and bow down and kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Jigao and today we're looking at the story of manna. We've so far discovered that God provided the manna to teach us that He will miraculously provide all of our temporal, all of our spiritual, and all of our eternal needs. God allowed the Israelites to hunger to teach them that He is the one who supplies all of their needs. Now, we just asked the question, how many miracles relating to manna did God provide each week for them? And the answer is eight. Each week, God did eight miracles relating to the manna. The first six is that each day, there would be manna on the ground for them. Each Sunday, each Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, there was manna on the ground for them. The next day was also miraculous because there wasn't any manna. And the eighth miracle is that on Friday, and only on Friday, the manna didn't spoil. Every day, he was trying to teach them that he is their provider. Now, why do you think that God didn't give them continual manna? I mean, he could have just made it to be there all of the time. And some people think, oh, you know, this is because he wanted to teach them about the Sabbath. And he did want to teach them about the Sabbath. But he could have just done the miracle of the manna collected on Friday doesn't spoil for the Sabbath. And it's going to be there on Sabbath you are not to go pick it up and in this way to test them. I believe that the reason that God didn't allow the manna to be there every day was if he did that, they would just start to think, ah, this is a natural occurrence. This is just what happens in this area. This stuff appears on the ground. But God said, no, I'm going to show you every single day that I am the one who provides your temporal needs. And when it comes to Sabbath, It's miraculously not going to be there. God provided manna not only to teach them that he will provide their temporal needs, but also to teach them that he will provide their spiritual needs. In Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 it reads, He humbled you, causing you to hunger and feeding you with manna which neither you nor your ancestors had known, and to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The manna was there to teach us that God also provides our spiritual needs. Every Friday night, my wife makes this amazing challah. And we open Sabbath and we eat this challah. It's absolutely delicious. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. Essentially what Jesus is telling us is that there are two types of food. There is physical food which God provides and there is the spiritual food which Jesus is telling us that unless you partake of the spiritual food, the physical food that you have will only lead to death. I want to ask you today to think of one of the most disliked items in most people's homes. And this is the bathroom scales. I want you to imagine in your mind's eye what your spiritual self looks like. 
You see, we feed ourselves with physical food every day. But I want you to imagine, what does your spiritual self look like? Many people suffer from spiritual anorexia. Many people will have practically nothing to eat all week. And then, on the weekend, they'll have a giant spiritual cake. And then they'll continue having nothing to eat for the rest of the week or very, very slim pickings. I want to ask you to examine yourself. How is your spiritual self doing? There are three ways that we can provide spiritual nourishment for ourselves. The first is that we read God's Word. As we read God's Word, He communicates with us. The second way is that we pray. In this way, we communicate with God. Now, this is not the only way, but it's the primary way which we communicate with God. And we'll discover the third way just after this song. From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea Revealing your majesty From the colors of fall To the fragrance of spring Every creature unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming Indescribable
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigao and today we're looking at the story of manna. We've so far discovered that God provided manna to teach us that He will miraculously provide all of our temporal, all of our spiritual and all of our eternal needs. We've found out that God not only provided the Israelites' physical needs, but He also provided for their spiritual needs. We discovered that there are three primary ways of getting spiritual food. Through prayer, we talk to God. Through His Word, He talks to us. We noted that these are not the only ways, but the primary ways that God communicates with us. And this communication with us to God through prayer and with God to us through His Word is a significant part of our spiritual nourishment. But there is a third way we get spiritual food which is often forgotten. And this is through outreach. Spiritual food is multiplied when we reach out to others. Many times I'm preparing for a Bible study or a sermon or evangelistic series and I grow so much spiritually during the process of sharing it with others. This is the way that God designed it. You see, God provides for us temporal food, God provides for us spiritual food, but God also provides for us eternal food. Quite often we think we are the ones who provide our temporal food. Many scholars have said that the biggest miracle that God did for the Israelites was providing manna for them. It's such a big miracle because usually this is something we think we can provide for ourselves. We think, oh, I'm the one who plants this seed. I'm the one who grows this. I'm the one who provides this. And it's quite often harder to trust God in the little things than in the big things. You see, my wife Gabrielle is pregnant and I'm praying for our unborn child. But I realize there's very little I can do, right? I mean, Gabrielle can try to eat well and to keep healthy, but besides that, there's not all that much that we can do. It's out of my hands, so I give it to God. And I have very little trouble giving it to God and fully surrendering it to Him because I literally have no other choice, right? It's easy to surrender things to God in situations like this because, well, what else are you going to do? But when it comes to smaller things, we struggle a lot more to give it to God. I want to tell you today that God miraculously provides our physical food. You see, God gives us the seeds. Inside a seed is genetic information stored inside it to teach it how to grow, how to send its leaves out, how to send the flowers out, how to then produce another seed that can itself produce the next plant. This is a miracle that God put into place. And when we have our seed, we take it and we put it in the dirt. And we say, ah, it's just dirt, right? No, dirt is a miracle from God. Someone at Stoll Church told me this joke the other day. The few scientists came up to God and said, God, we no longer have any need of you. We are able to develop life ourselves. We don't need you at all anymore. And God was like, okay, show me. And they're like, yep. We'll show you and you'll see we don't need you at all anymore. What we do is we first take this dirt and God says, whoa, 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 whoa. hang on a second, hang on a second. Get your own dirt. I thought that was really good. God miraculously provides dirt. Did you know that in every gram of dirt, a gram of dirt is about a teaspoon. There is over 10 billion organisms in each teaspoon of dirt. 
That's more than there are people in this world. In each teaspoon of dirt, there is over 10 billion organisms. So once you have the seed and the dirt, what's the next thing that you need? Well, once you put the seed in the dirt, the next thing that you need is dust. And I know some are saying, what? Dust? Yes, the next thing that you need is dust. Because in order to have rain, you need to have dust. Rain will not form in the absence of dust. As the water evaporates, it builds up onto dust particles in the air. And this way, the rain is formed. Without dust, you would have no rain. There are so many little things like this that don't even cross our mind that God has put into place. And they are all miracles of God. And then when the rain forms, it falls from around 830 meters up in the sky and falls at about 22.4 kilometers an hour for about two minutes. And then it hits the ground and you need just the right amount of rain, right? If you have too much, the seed will drown. If you have too little, it won't come up. Then it sends down its hypocotyl and develops into a root system. Now you see, this root system doesn't go upwards, it goes downwards. And how does it know to do that? Well, God put this into place. And then the leaves come up. And what color are the leaves? Well, they are green. Now, why are they green? Well, because God made it like this so photosynthesis can occur. The chlorophyll makes them green. You see, the chlorophyll enables the reaction that harvests the sun's energy from the blue and red spectrum. Not from the green spectrum. It reflects the green light, which is why they appear green. And it turns the sunlight into energy. It uses it to break down water molecules and convert them to oxygen. And it uses it to break down carbon dioxide molecules and convert them into glucose, which is how the plant gets its energy. God put all of this into place. And it's a miracle of God that it works exactly the way it works. God miraculously provides us bread Every day. What manna tells us is that God is the one who miraculously provides our temporal needs. God is the one who miraculously provides our spiritual needs. And it is God who will miraculously provide all of our eternal needs. In Revelation chapter 2 verse 17 we're told, He who has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. You see... God will give us manna in heaven. God doesn't just provide for us here. He will provide for us eternally. I wanted to encourage you today. If you're going through a tricky situation, if you're going through a time of testing as the Israelites did, if you're going through a time when you're asking yourself, where is God in my life right now? I want to invite you to open your eyes and look around you. There are miracles happening everywhere around you where you look. And God is the one who is providing. We thank you for listening today. And don't forget to visit our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today? Where we have video presentations on many topics, including the one we've just been talking about called What Is It? We look forward to seeing you next week. I'm Marius Jigal. God bless. And I hope you have a magnificent day. Before the throne of God above I have a strong and perfect plea A great high priest whose name is love Whoever lives and
please for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair, Tells me of my guilt within Upward I look and see him there Who made an end of all my sin Because the sinless Savior died My sinful soul is counted free for God the just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. Behold Him there, the risen Lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness. The great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with Himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by His blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. I need Thee every hour, most great. Like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to
You've been listening to Is It Relevant Today? If you have any questions or comments, please leave them on our Facebook page, Is It Relevant Today? But for now, thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next week. I love to tell the story T'will be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love